live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame's defense shut out one of the nation's best offenses in the second half. Ian Book playing out of his mind, some may say literally. That's the word, wrong use of the word literally if you are. As the Irish are back at home this morning, ready to enjoy their Thanksgiving later today after a 31-17 win at 19th-ranked North Carolina yesterday. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. Notre Dame is 9-0, ranked second in the country, two games left in the regular season, hosting Syracuse next Saturday, and then on the road to Wake Forest in two weeks. Notre Dame in great position to clinch a spot in the ACC championship game, and of course, into the college football playoff as well. Joined as always by Kevin Downey. Kevin, uh, there was definitely some nerve-wracking moments, but overall, a very, very good win for the Irish yesterday over North Carolina. Yeah, it was a great win. I think um, the defense playing so well <clears throat> after giving up two um, early touchdowns and then having Kyle Hamilton, your best player, that's a huge impact. And then I, I, another shout-out to uh, Ian Book. He, he was really creative and did some pretty crazy plays. But again, he's a winner, and he showed it <laughs> in his own way. I mean, can you imagine <clears throat> if that flip throw is picked off right now, what we'd be talking about? Well, We've, or if it was the old Coach Kelly before he found his reboot, he would have lost his mind and yelled at that guy. On especially if it was picked off. I mean, if that ball's picked off and they return it for a touchdown or they score, North Carolina wins the game, people would be like, put in Drew Pine, play for the future. Put in, put you know, put in. it's amazing. And yet he had the confidence to say, I can make this play. That's And when I say he's playing out of his mind, I mean like, He's exuding so much confidence in a good way yeah. that he's like, I'm going to complete this play, and it's I'm going to make it happen. And then you say the defense, who would have – no one would have put money down, you know, to say, oh, yeah, Notre Dame's going to shut down Carolina yeah. to three points the rest of the game after the way that Carolina moved the ball in the – First uh, two possessions. First two possessions, and that's a credit to Clark Lee. I mean, he is just an incredible – incredible defensive coordinator when it comes to his adjustments yeah the in-game adjustments and then dealing with Hamilton being out I mean that puts a huge strain on as we said last week in the matchups possibly Notre Dame's you know weaker link that secondary it's especially in terms of the depth yeah <laughs> and then especially when Sean Crawford's being looked at on the sideline yeah and you're like uh -oh. two safeties out uh-oh and then Hamilton gets knocked out for targeting, and you're like, are they going to have neither of these two guys the rest of the way? And luckily, mm -hmm. Crawford came back and solidified it. Uh, but, you know, DJ Brown, Houston Griffith, credit to those guys for stepping up in a big way. By the way, uh, Mac Brown just called timeout. <laughs> he finally he finally used one of them. So um, on tap on this morning, if you don't know what I'm talking about, why are you listening to the show you did not pay attention last night? If you know what I'm talking about, you I hope you left. On tap on this morning's show, our spotlight interview is with former Notre Dame swimmer Haley Scott D. Maria. She was part of that horrific bus crash in 1992 on the toll road that led to the death of two Notre Dame swimmers. D. Maria was told she was likely going to be paralyzed 
but she credits the faith of others in the Notre Dame community and South Bank community that helped her heal. She not only walked again, she swam again a year later. Her inspiring story later in the show. We will go through the college football playoff rankings and where the Irish stand. And if they win the final two games, should they be in the college football playoff regardless of what could potentially happen in the ACC championship game? Of note, for those that may have missed it late last night, Ohio State at Illinois canceled today. Coach Ryan Day was already out after testing positive for COVID-19. More positive results came back last night for Ohio State. Game canceled last night. Ohio State's only 4-0 and right now. Um, I just don't know what happens. if. Well, first of all, if Ohio State can't play next Saturday, which has been the trend that a team cancels a game, they most likely don't play for two weeks two in a weeks. row. We saw that with Notre Dame, right? I mean, they were on the bye week, but they could have potentially moved the Wake Forest game to that game. They couldn't because they weren't ready to go. We know there's that 10 to 14-day window, mm-hmm. and Ohio State doesn't seem to have things under control. If Ohio State can't play next week, they would be ineligible for the Big Ten championship game because they would not have played enough games. And yet, they'd still be potentially eligible for the college football playoff. That's could, just sad. <laughs> Perfect you, for 2020. Could just you bizarre. could you imagine a five and zero Ohio State team? If you know they they miss next week, they come back and they beat Michigan in uh, the final game of the regular season, and the playoff committee still takes them. I mean, that would be a joke. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. Here here's the funny part that I saw someone post last night. They're like, "What if Michigan, as their true way of really cementing this season to screw with Ohio State, actually wins?" No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Ohio State doesn't play the next two weeks, and then Michigan suddenly has an outbreak and are unable to play, oh. and Ohio State loses that game too. And Ohio State can't make the playoff because they're only four and zero. I know it's crazy. It's silliness, <laughs> silliness. All right. Uh, so Notre Dame nine and zero after the win. Uh, defense shutting out Sam Howell and UNC's offense in the second half. We mentioned no Kyle Hamilton. We mentioned Ian Book. Uh, we haven't mentioned Kyron Williams. Twenty three rushes, one hundred twenty four yards, two touchdowns. He also had four catches. Just 20 yards and, and one touchdown. I mean, he was yeah. fabulous. Uh, even his uh, reception stood out to me, too. Yeah. I mean, his blocking's still solid. Everything, he's – yeah, he's quite the player. Well, he – his best play didn't involve rushing. It was involving blocking at first uh-huh. and then receiving <laughs> the touchdown out. pass. Yeah. I mean, he did a great job in that. And then, of course, the offensive line. Uh, we, we, we that was big. That. I mean, I think you guys went out. through some, some – uh, some growing pains. You know, the center, there were a couple. Um, yeah, there were a couple bad snaps. A couple bad snaps. And then Lug, um, you know, he does have experience. But you could tell that there's a difference. That, that That's why there was a little bit more improv by Ian Book uh, running around. And they weren't as consistent as, you know, they were in the past. Really up until the final couple drives to put the game away, the ground game wasn't, you know, really uh, cemented or really in place. But... I mean, again, to their credit, and I guess that's what makes this – that's why we're talking about championships. They had different people come in and step up to be without two starters. Um, it's a big deal on the offensive line. And Tommy Kramer could be back, expected to be back next week. So we'll see if he ultimately is or if they hold him out until the Wake Forest game. But that would be big to get at least one of those guys back. All right, let's hear what uh, Brian Kelly had to say after Notre Dame's win. Really great win on the road against uh, an outstanding opponent in North Carolina. Um you know, prolific offense. Our defense uh, was outstanding, especially in the second half. Uh, but, you know, one of those uh, road wins that uh, 
really shows the metal of your football team. Um, offense, defense, um, you know, was outstanding. Uh, you know, I thought that, um, you know, in, in all phases, uh, especially in the second half, the way our defense played and then our offense, you know, running the ball, throwing the ball, Ian Book was outstanding, Kyron, uh, Javon, uh, and then defensively, um, you know, Drew White was outstanding. Ade uh, was relentless in, in the pressure. And then, you know, we're playing without our, arguably our, <laughs> our bellwether player in the back end and, and Kyle Hamilton, uh, our safety play was outstanding. Um, Brown and, and Griffith, Houston Griffin was outstanding and, and uh, certainly uh, Sean Crawford. So great victory on the road uh, gets us uh, to our, our ninth win and uh, puts us in, in a, in a great position to, um, to, uh, to, to clinch an, an ACC uh, berth uh, in the championship game uh, uh, with one more win. And, and so our guys are looking forward to playing home for, for next week. So uh, good win. And next week will be the home finale senior day with no students in the stands and only faculty and staff will be out. and parents, families. Thankfully, it will be a straight senior day to to say the least as they host Syracuse, my alma mater, who's absolutely atrocious. So uh, let's look at some of the uh, keys to the win from uh, our listeners who uh, wrote in on Twitter last night. Marcus wrote Clark Lee's game plan and adjustments to it when Hamilton was ejected. Absolutely masterful. Phil Baumgartner, Clark Lee's adjustments, especially with Hamilton out to win up front to alleviate issues on the back end. Randy Joseph wrote, Notre Dame got the running game going more in the second half. Book calmed down. Defense adjusted and kept everything in front of them. Really limited the big plays that we saw in the first half. That's a very good observation. And Lenny DiLorenzo wrote, Clark Lee, but specifically bringing the pressure and then disguising pressure well to drop backers and DNs into coverage. Lee figured out how to confuse Howell. Le- Lenny D. Lorenzo and Church Life Today coming up next here on Redeemer Radio <laughs> at 10, 10 a.m. I think those were all inter- good observations. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that everyone mentioned pretty much, I think there was like 15 to 20 responses. Very little mention of Ian Book and the offense. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much all the defense, which I get. I was just surprised. Normally, people are yeah, like, the oh, offense and quarterback. And yeah, that. and... It just shows you how well that the defense played against arguably the best offense Notre Dame has faced this year. Yeah, really strong quarterback, two good running backs, two good wide receivers. I mean, yeah, it was it was impressive, and it felt closer to me the whole time until it was about a minute or so left in the fourth quarter, and I thought, okay, well, they're not going to score. Notre Dame's most dangerous weapon may be their fourth quarter. You know, kill the clock. Yeah, four-minute uh, drill. Four-minute drill. Well, their last is, two drives. Theirs, theirs is like a <laughs> eight-minute drill sometimes. I mean, they just kill the clock. They yeah. end games with the way they slow that tempo down and move it downfield for a 10-play drive. And then whether or not they score or not, they basically almost end the game because of that. Well, and even with those younger guys in there for offensive line, I mean, their strength is still running the ball Um and to be able to do that, to put it away when the team knows <laughs> that that's what your plan is and wants to take the ball away to win the game, that's impressive. That's why they're talking about championships. All right, let's let's uh, let's hear from Drew White on his thoughts on Notre Dame's defensive play, stopping the explosive UNC offense led by Sam Howell. Obviously, they were an elite offense. Um, you know, they were scoring all over film, all over a bunch of teams. 
Um, and so that just motivated our group um, as a unit to, to come into the game um, and, and just reinforce that we believe we're the best defense in the country. Um, and we came out, um, you know, not, not the way we wanted, but man, I thought we bounced back great. Um, came out of the second half. Um, after we got the message across to all the guys that, hey, listen, like we, we need to step up. This isn't our standard of football. Um, and we did. Came out the second half, um, guns blazing, and was able to uh, pitch a shutout. I mean, in credit to Drew White, he played one of his better games of the season as well. Had five tackles, two tackles for loss. Jer- Jeremiah Wusso karmoa always up there, right? He had nine tackles. Kyle Hamilton had the second most. Six tackles. He didn't play <laughs> he was out for half. Of- <laughs> <laughs> he didn't play the second half. Uh, but you know what? Who's unsung hero? Maris Leofow. Yeah, five thirty-five. Five tackles <clears throat> on the day. You know, steps in there at that buck linebacker, and he played really, really good football. He played great football. He did. Uh, and again, he's another one of those intense, hard-hitting uh, tacklers too. It's. Again, a credit to the 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 whole uh, defense, but he did stand out to me. I thought he had a great game. Well, we talk about the the rotation at the defensive line. Drew White has talked about the rotation at, at linebacker line, at linebacker, and you're seeing that. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's a they, different guy at Buck linebacker almost every week. <laughs> well, they even rotate Drew White out sometimes in yeah, Bauer on oh, third and long. So, I mean, that's wild to have. They have what four or five guys that consistently play at inside linebacker. Yeah. Um, but it's great, and maybe that's why they're fresh. Obviously, they all understand what Clark Lee wants. Uh, there's key. no question, and Clark Lee proving why he is. Because that's his position, Coach, he, or position that yes. he focuses on. And, and he's going to be saying, show me the money or show me a head coaching <laughs> job somewhere uh, after this season. Because, uh, you know. He's good. I joked about it on Twitter. People didn't like it. But Texas may be calling. <laughs> Texas may be calling after the way uh, they played last night. Uh, all right. Did you know that Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is the largest Catholic credit union in the United States? Notre Dame FC. CU has served over 800 Catholic entities in over 25 dioceses nationwide. These include colleges, parishes, schools, food pantries, homeless shelters, and Catholic radio stations, including Redeemer Radio. Member-owned not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You raise share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Still to come, a powerful interview with former Notre Dame swimmer Haley Scott D. Maria, one of the most inspirational inspirational athletes in Notre Dame history and of course we're going to dive into the college football playoff rankings and see where things are shaking up last night and up next Ian Book for Heisman Mac Brown certainly thinks he should be in the running and how a USA Today article played more motivation for the Irish quarterback that's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We know you like football, so do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day, free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Touchdown! 
Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey after Notre Dame's big win over North Carolina yesterday, 31-17. A reminder that Redeemer Radio is a nonprofit Catholic radio station. We have great advertisers and underwriters, but are mostly listener-supported. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to show some support. Show some support. Right now until Tuesday is our Giving Tuesday campaign. Any donation you make between now and Tuesday will be doubled. $25 becomes $50. $50 becomes $100. Every donation helps, especially in a difficult year like this one. Just go to RedeemerRadio.com and click on I Give Catholic, the banner at the top of the page. Thank you in advance for your support. Okay, uh, we talked about Ian Book a little bit at the beginning, but we're going to spend the majority of this segment talking about Ian Book's play and, um, I mean, let's get right into it. He is playing like a quarterback that has the confidence. He's oozing that confidence right now. I mean, fearless, fearless out there. Yeah, he uh, he, he, he really does it all. And, and I do think some of his uh, improvisation with running around and scrambling was because they had some younger guys in, and there was some real pressure Um Obviously, he makes all kinds of plays uh, with his arms, but then also, you know, those design runs. I think another thing that really stands out, and we've talked about this before at quarterback, man, he gets our people involved. So nine different people uh, caught passes from him. <laughs> that, that's pretty impressive. Especially when they only had 23 completions. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's wild to spread the love like that. It's wild. And but, again, yeah, just making our people around you better. I mean, it's and, and winning. The bottom line. I mean, he's twenty nine and three. Yeah, as a starter, that's pretty good. He was twenty three of thirty three passing yesterday, two hundred seventy nine yards and a touchdown. Eight rushes for sixty three yards. He, I, I use the 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 net on that one because he, uh, or the gain I should say because he did lose yardage on some, some sacks. of the sacks. Yeah. But you know, in terms of the po- what he was doing rushing mm-hmm. when, when he decided to run the ball, eight rushes for 63 yards, which is really good. All right, uh, here's what Brian Kelly had to say after the game on, uh, well, that floated, that throw, that <laughs> flip throw. I felt like it was rookie of the year when she said, float it at the end. And he just throws it. Here's what Brian Kelly had to say on what was going through his mind when he saw that play. And then uh, Ian Book will follow up after that. Playmaker. Playmakers make plays. You know, um, he was confident in his ability to to make a play in that situation. And he wouldn't tell you it's something that, you know, he's, you know, expects to, to, to do at any one time. But look, you let guys play and, um, you know, he's a, he's a playmaker. He, he was he was the quarterback. I mean, I read an article in, in uh, USA Today from some guy that really shouldn't be writing articles about football. He should probably be doing something else, but they listed the top 10 quarterbacks, I think in college football, and um, they didn't even list Ian. Um, So uh, he's got a little fuel. He's got a little chip on his shoulder as well. And um, he, uh, he won, he won the matchup tonight. Brian Kelly said he read an article in the USA today. And he said that that article had, didn't have you in the top 10 quarterbacks in the country. I'm just curious, did coach Kelly ever, bring that up to you. And when you hear stuff like that, what is that? What goes through your head? Do you like, what is, why do you, why do you think people disrespect you when you yeah. win a lot of football games? Uh, no, he didn't show me. Um, actually talked about it with coach Reese though. Just let it feel the fire chip on my shoulder, had a chip on my shoulder in high school in the recruiting process. 
got a chip on my shoulder here. Um, look, I don't know who's writing those. So have they played football or not? I'm not sure. It's just part of it. There's a ton of articles out there that say a lot of bad things about Notre Dame. Um, but again, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who's ranking at the end of the day. I'm having fun out here playing college football. It's a dream come true. I feel fortunate to be here. We're 9-0, and so I got nothing for whoever wrote that. But um, it, it's motivating. So, shoot, I, th- I think I'm, you know, top 10 and want to be and uh, want to compete every day to be like that. So um, at the end of the day, it's just filled with the fire. That would be Paul Meyerberg from the USA Today who wrote an article. It's a top 10 list of the top 10 quarterbacks in the nation from this week, from Wednesday. And he, I mean, I get it if it was maybe preseason and you didn't put him in, he probably should be in there. But if you didn't put him in preseason, I think you definitely have an argument. Uh, the, right now, I don't. After the last two weeks, how in the world you could do that is unbelievable. But let me ask you this question: Do you think Reese and Kelly are just like someone? Find me motivation. Someone. someone I think that was someone, maybe my my favorite question of the season so far. How do you feel being disrespected? <laughs> That's from Mark Skull because you've from, won a lot of games. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I don't know. That's from Mark Skull from uh, WNDU who had the good follow up question there. But it's it's almost like they know <clears throat> if 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 Book is annoyed, yeah, he's gonna play really it's good. Kind of like when he takes a really good hit early in the game, he plays a little bit better. It wakes him up, gets yeah. him a little nasty. So okay, so we clearly believe he's one of the top ten quarterbacks. Now the question is. Hey, they're they're undefeated at this point in the season. Yeah, always that would usually result in someone from Notre Dame being in the Heisman talk, and I think it's got to be Book that's in it. Do you think he should be in the Heisman conversation? Well, I think so for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know who else thinks so? Mac Brown. This guy, you know, I don't know if people remember, coached that guy named Vince Young. Yeah. To a national championship, Mac Brown, after the game, the North Carolina coach who saved all his timeouts, uh, did say, quote, I don't know if he's in the Heisman race, but he should be. He was as good tonight as anyone I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, Mac Brown has more wins yeah. in college football than anyone that is currently coaching. He was as good tonight as anyone I've ever seen. That, I mean, That's just... a ringing endorsement. Put his chair in the Heisman <laughs> conversation right now. It doesn't matter what we think. Yeah. If, if Mac Brown's saying that, that's, that's really impressive. But I think, I mean, he is playing as good as anyone in the country over the last month. They don't beat Clemson without him. Yeah. And they don't win as... Obviously, the defense was... Was huge, but they don't win yesterday's game without Ian Book either. I agree. So I, I think he definitely b- belongs in the conversation for the Heisman. Well, and you've if, been if you're in, a Notre Dame fan, you better really enjoy Ian Book <laughs> and, and this season because it has been years. Is oh, yeah. a is an older <laughs> man uh, watching lots of Notre Dame football. Like you don't get a really great Notre Dame quarterback <laughs> very often. Unfortunately, hopefully I'll change. But man, Ian Book special. He's good. He's very good. Twenty nine wins now tied for the most in program history. By yeah. the way, Brian Kelly one hundred and one wins uh, puts him at uh, second all time 
uh, passing Lou Holtz for second all time. Uh, now he's only trying to chase down that guy named Newt Rockney. Uh, <laughs> if Kelly gets sole possession, um, pretty pretty good reason why. He if he gets yeah. that this year, if he gets that this year, do you know what that means? Oh, you've told me this before. Yeah, it means they won the national championship. Well. That's the amount of wins they need five. To, to win the national championship. So that would be pretty good. I think Brian, I think that statue might be going up if that's the case. <laughs> um, if, if he wins the next five games. Um, okay. Uh, surprisingly, we are ahead of schedule here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturday. So we want to say a big thank you to Tyrac for all the support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience. Helping out with our broadcast of high school football wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac. Com. Okay, uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show, we're going to break down those college football playoff rankings, see where Notre Dame's shaking out in terms of what happens if they were to lose to Clemson in the in the AC championship. Do they still deserve a spot in the playoff? And up next, a truly inspirational story. You may have heard it before from Haley Scott DiMaria, you know, very faith-based person. But it was a lot of what has happened to her in her life that got her to that point in her her faith. Uh, A a tragic accident in 1992 almost left her paralyzed. But uh, she has told an incredible story in her lifetime. That conversation coming up next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Shout out to Bishop Lures football. Heartbreaking loss yesterday in the 2A state finals. Lures led 35-26 with 3.38 left in the game, but Western Boone scored 10 points in the final minutes to win the state title. Again, congrats to Lures on a fantastic season, but hard to see it end like that. High school basketball coverage is underway on both Redeemer Radio stations. The next broadcast on 95.7 FM in Michiana, a huge one involving two of the best teams in northern Indiana as St. Joe goes on the road to Adams Friday night at 7.30. We will have a video stream at facebook.com slash 95.7 sports. And, of course, our radio broadcast on 95.7 FM in Fort Wayne on 106.3. The next broadcast Tuesday night when the Doinger Girls play host to Columbia City. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey back with you here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. And uh, inspirational interview here coming up on Focus on Faith. Haley Scott DiMaria, uh, you know, if you don't know the story, it's so inspiring. Even if you know the story, it's incredibly inspiring every time over. January 24th, 1992, second semester of her freshman year. She's the Notre Dame swim team returning home from a swim meet at Northwestern, two miles from the toll road exit at Notre Dame. Snowstorm, bus flips. Uh, Haley lays in the snow with a teammate for more than an hour. Turns out they're being told she's being told she's going to be paralyzed. 
and when she gets to the hospital. And then she later finds out two of her teammates have been killed uh, in that crash. Megan Beeler of Granger here in Michigan and Colin Hip of St. Louis, uh, both fellow freshmen of hers. And uh, Haley made a remarkable recovery. Uh, and yeah, I remember it well. I was actually um, I went to school with Megan. She was a year older than me, so it was my senior year. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, shocking. And again, so close the accident, so close to the exit <laughs> to to just being home safe. Um, yeah. It was wild. I again at St. Joe, they uh, they made an announcement. You could go and uh, pray with you know the the priests. Um, but yeah, it was it was yeah it was a life changing thing for me. Again, I think just having been, you know, three years in school with Megan, it was uh, it was really really sad. Well, that aspect you say of people praying, yeah. that was something that really helped Haley Scott D. Maria. She will say, "Let's listen in to our Focus on Faith interview with the inspirational Haley Scott D. Maria." Okay, Haley, what was your childhood like uh, growing up in, in, in a family of athletes? And ultimately, how did swimming become the sport of choice for you? Sure. So I, I always say I grew up in a, a pretty inspiring family, but a, a pretty tough family in terms of athletics. Um, you know, when you look across the board, there are NBA players, Olympians, professional athletes and other sports. So it was um, just really good genes uh, for sports. It was never a question of would I play a sport? It was always what sport would I play? <laughs> Uh, and I tried them all. So I was playing baseball, soccer, basketball, gymnastics. And, and really what I found was that at five feet, eight inches as a 10-year-old girl, which wow. was extraordinarily tall, exactly. Um, and that's not a very fun height to be at that age. You know, growing up in Phoenix, Arizona, we all learned to swim when we learned to walk. So the the, the pool in the water was, was sec- a second home for me. So if you put me on a starting block at five feet, eight inches, again, as a 10 year old, I dive into the pool and I am halfway down the first length, you know, ahead of everyone. So like most sports and like most children, um, I love to win. So swimming became my sport, um, really, because I was something I could do well. And it was um, something that just kind of gave me a real sense of self, you know, those are those are really awkward ages, you know, going through middle school. So and wasn't raised Catholic. I was raised in a, in a Christian home, but not a, a very religious or prayer-filled home. Um, I went to Xavier College Prep in Phoenix, Arizona for high school. Um, again, not because I was Catholic, because I wasn't, but because they had the best uh, high school swim team in the state at the time. And uh, winning is important when you're that age. And so I went there to be on the best team. And, and it was really because I was at Xavier that led um, our athletic director to contact um, the coach at Notre Dame, Tim Welsh, um, and and ultimately what led me to Notre Dame. Most would say, how is that possible in you know the early 90s that someone from Arizona would want to end up in the cold that is South Bend? So how did you ultimately decide it was the right pick for you uh, on your visit and everything? I happened to visit um, the first weekend in February. And I remember, you know, everyone telling, asking me, why would you want to go to, to South, you know, Indiana, South Bend? It's so cold there. And that first weekend in February, this is 1991, it was about 60 degrees outside, oh. maybe 55. Right. So for me, I'm walking around campus and there were two things that I noticed. Um, one, I remember thinking, well, it's cold, but it's not that cold. <laughs> um, so I always say that the weather kind of tricked me into coming. But the, the other thing I noticed was how kind people were um, because everyone was just really friendly and, and said hello. And there was this sense of a very welcoming community. And then it's not long. I mean, your second semester freshman year, 
You guys are competing mm-hmm. at Northwestern. You're coming back on the bus on a stormy night. You're not far from campus, and this horrific bus accident happens. Take us back to that night and, and kind of what you remember that suddenly changed your life forever. What I remember, I remember very clearly, as you can imagine. Um, there's not a whole lot that I remember as well. Some of it I've pieced together over the years. But we had swum Northwestern in Chicago, so close to, not, close to home, not too far from South Bend. And we were almost home. We were about two miles from, from getting off the exit of the toll road. And, and our bus hit a patch of black ice, which was a term I had never heard of until um, actually several days after the accident. I didn't even know what it was at the time. And our bus literally did a flip turn in terms of you know, swimming terms. We, we flipped upside down and, and we were facing in the opposite direction. And I remember wanting to get off the bus um, very quickly. I remember knowing that my back hurt. Um, I remember a teammate sat with me when I was laying in the snow. Um, she had been trained as a lifeguard, which most swimmers are, and um, she knew to not let me move with any sort of head, neck, or back injury. Um, and it was really, it was when I was first being moved from the snow to the ambulance um, that I realized I had no feeling or movement from the waist down. Um, and at that point, my teammate said to me, you know, Haley, it's okay. Your legs are just numb from the cold. And of course, I would, had been lying in the snow for, for over an hour at this point. Um, and I was freezing, you know, my body was, was starting to shake. So the fact that my legs were just numb made perfect sense to me. Um, and I really thought I'd get to the hospital and, and warm up and, and regain function. Um, and that certainly didn't happen. I had two back surgeries that night, um, and came out of it still with paralysis. Uh, and at that point was given a 48 hour window for feeling or movement to return. Um, if I was to have any chance to walk again. And unfortunately, that that 48 hours came and went, and it was at that point that a a very kind nurse doing her job came in and and told me and my parents that 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 was it, that was it, you know, my life had changed and I wouldn't walk and I wouldn't swim again. Oh, wow. To hear that news. And obviously, ultimately, you did walk and you did swim. But I know during that time there, you had a you had a very well, you had a lot of important visitors, but including the president of the university, Father Monk Malloy. Can you share that story with us? Sure. That's one of my favorites. So when I had come out of my um, second surgery, um, Father Malloy had been traveling that morning and certainly came right back to campus when he heard the news of the accident. And, you know, if you've ever met Monk, he is a, a very large physical and holy presence. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to forget him when you when you have seen him. And I remember he came over to, um, I was in the recovery, my recovery room bed, and he had just very humbly introduced himself to me and said, you know, Haley, I'm, I'm Father Malloy, I'm the president of Notre Dame. And I remember looking up at him and thinking, uh, yeah, I know, um, because again, once you know him or have met him, you wouldn't forget him. And, and he said, you know, very gently, can I pray with you? And I, I responded the way I think most non-Catholics would respond, and that is, um, but I'm not Catholic. And he said, that doesn't matter. Can we pray? And I've always said, I, I don't think I, I consciously knew it at the time, but certainly in hindsight, looking back, that was the moment where I felt and knew that I was going to be fine, um, that it didn't matter that I was just a freshman at Notre Dame and had only been on campus for five months. It didn't matter that I may never walk again, or I may never swim again. Um, I was part of this family Um even as a non-Catholic, and they were going to take care of me, whatever my situation was. And, and that was just a really beautifully comforting feeling. 
Oh, unbelievable story. Haley Scott D. Maria is joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our focus on faith interview here. You know, we're talking about the tragic bus accident for the Notre Dame swim team from back in 1992. Uh, Haley, at what point then in your time in the hospital did you realize that this tragedy was beyond just you and and two of your teammates um, had lost their lives in, in the accident? So those first 48 hours um, that I was, you know, sort of the window I was given for feeling or movement to return um, were, were pretty tricky and challenging and, and certainly emotional for many reasons. Um, one, I was dealing with two back surgeries um, and, the, and the thought of per- permanent paralysis. I also learned um, during that 48 hours that two of my teammates had passed away, um, Megan Beeler and Colleen Hip. They also were freshmen. Um, so our freshman class was, was hit pretty hard in this, but I, but I, I hadn't known that the night of the accident um, or going into two of my surgeries, I, I kept asking, how is the rest of my team? And, and the answer I was given um, for the first day was, well, you're the only one still in the hospital. Um, but once I did learn of their deaths, um, I knew I would walk and I knew I would swim and I knew I would do it for Megan and Colleen. It was, um, it was just what I had to do. It, um, I, I had to do it because they couldn't, I had to do it to honor their, their memory and to, to be their legacy. And, and, and that really stayed with me all through physical therapy, through my time in the hospital, through the setbacks and the additional surgeries that I would face and, and hasn't gone away. Um, it's been about uh, to almost 28 years since the bus accident we're getting to now. And um, that it's still a very real way that, that I live my life is to, to try to live it in a way that honors them and, and recognizes them and is hopefully their legacy. That moment when you first started feeling your toes again, I know there was something that you attribute faith-based to kind of inspiring that moment from happening. And it, it, what was it, a Catholic school mass uh, that, that you shared the story of? My coach, Tim Welsh, he was walking through the Joyce Center back over to the pool. You know, as you know, it's all connected. And there was an all-Catholic schools mass that was taking place um, in the basketball arena in Purcell Pavilion. As he was walking by, heading back to the pool, he heard them talking about the bus accident. He stopped and he listened and he heard them talking about a girl who was still in the hospital and you know she's been told she, she will not walk and let's pray for her. Um, and so at that moment, uh, on that day uh, around noon, he, he prayed with the group that was praying for me um, at the Catholic school's mass. And by the time he got back to the pool in his office, he had gotten the phone call that I had moved my toe um, for the first time. And, you know, Tim Welsh is such a faith-filled person. He's so much a part of the community of faith at Notre Dame that was was instrumental to me. And, you know, just to have him share that story with us and, and to know that that was a part of his healing as well, it's it's just, it, it really helps you understand, um, at least for me, in a very concrete way, um, the power of prayer and in a, in a tangible way with something that, you know, is really intangible at times. Um, but that was something that we felt in a very real way. It's amazing because here you are being told you may not walk again. And it ends up really not being that long until you end up being back in the pool again in, in reality. Now, I know there's a lot of tough moments in between that additional surgeries, but what was it, a year and a half, and you're back in the pool competing again? When you got to that day, what what did, what did were those moments like for you? So I, I love that you think that it was a short time. Um, again, you must live in the world of sports because, um, you know, we're always impatient as athletes, and it, it sometimes usually seems too long, but it does go very quickly. 
I, I was able to get back in the pool again about a year after the bus accident, um, which is very fast. I, I had worn a brace for a year. Um, I was able to get back in and train. Uh, thankfully, swimming is more like riding a bike. You don't really forget how to do it. Um, I was just very out of shape. So while I had to actually relearn how to walk again, I didn't have to relearn how to swim. So I trained for about eight months. And then I knew I knew I wanted my first race to be at Notre Dame. Um, I knew I wanted it to be a home meet. In my mind, that's where the story began. And, and that's where I thought the story would end. Um, so I, I swam in October of 1993, about 21 months after the bus accident. Uh, I swam two events that day, uh, the 50 freestyle, which was Megan's favorite event, and the 100 butterfly, which was Colleen Hip's um, favorite event. And, you know, that, that meet was in many ways very different and in many ways very much the same. Um, there were um, an extraordinary number of people who came, and certainly the media was there in, in a, a a pretty intense way that that we don't always see at a, a Notre Dame dual meet uh, for swimming, but that to me has always um, just really speaks to the the community of faith that Notre Dame is and the community of South Bend. Um, there were other athletes and and classmates from you know different sports and different dorms across campus who came to watch um, coaches from other teams. Um, my my ER doctor came, my OR doctor came. Um, you know, the state trooper who was the, the first responder at the first of the scene of our accident came to watch me swim. So um, the, the people really came out in, in support of this, this story um, that wasn't just mine, but that was really all of Notre Dame's and all of South Bend's. And uh, that just, I think, speaks to the, the really beautiful communities that we have there. But for me, in many ways, it was just like any other meet. Um, or any other race. I put my goggles on, I you know, shook my hands on the starting blocks like I normally do and just got up on the blocks and dove in and swam um, you know, and went into that zone that, that many athletes go into during competition. And um, you know, that, that was the best part was just, was just swimming again and, and being back with the team and back in the pool. And I would learn later on that, that Tim Welsh put no other Notre Dame swimmers in that first event, that 50 free. Um, so because of that, uh, you know, we were in a, a pretty slow conference at the time. So I won that first race back, which we always call the Hollywood ending. You know, that's kind of the, the fun part of the story. But uh, it was also just a really beautiful gesture for my teammates who had who had literally walked to this journey with me um, for those almost two years. And they got to watch me swim and they got to be a part of that that pretty significant event. And then not that long after that, it's Notre Dame, Florida State. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, and and Coach Holt says, yeah, we got the biggest game ever coming up tomorrow at the pep rally. But I want I want to give the game ball to Haley Scott DiMaria. What, what did that mean to you that that the football game almost took a backseat to to your inspiring story in Coach Holt's eyes? Well, maybe in Colt Holtz's eyes. I don't know if it takes a backseat anywhere else. And and maybe just for that moment that he was saying that wasn't a backseat. But, um, you know, that that whole um, experience, um, you know, first of all, the Florida State game is, is is what it is. And, you know, for anyone who was there, we'll certainly never forget it. But the pep rally the night before was a, a pretty a pretty neat moment for me as well. Personally, um, we had a meet that night. We actually swam Florida State. Um, I left early because I, I had a speech to write and I needed to, to make sure that I knew what I was going to say. Um, and I remember standing in, you know, sort of the back hall, again, the pool is connected to the Joy Center where the pep rally was. And I, and I remember standing there because at that point at pep rallies, um, the whole football team would be there, the co head coach would be there, and they would all sort of parade in. Um, and of course, that, that pep rally was as, you know, as big as the game. So I was standing there with the football team and they were much bigger than I was. And um, 
they were all talking about who's the speaker, you know, who's going to be our speaker. It's the biggest game of the year. It's the biggest, you know, game of the century. They were calling it at the time. And all these names are being thrown around, you know, Joe Montana and Regis Philbin. And uh, somebody just looked at me and I, I just sort of shrugged and I said, it's just me. Um, it was almost like they, they hadn't seen me there until that moment. You know, I don't know who it was. I'd love to thank them. I hope they hear this at some point, but there was one player who just said, oh, that that's, it is somebody awesome. Um, and I knew at that moment, this was going to be fine. You know, I could talk to 12, 16, 18,000 people, however many were there. And, um, you know, if I was, if I was good enough to be to, for the football players to have me as their speaker, then, then I could go out there and, and do the rest. But coach Holtz has always been a really great friend to me. He's always been very supportive. Um, you know, he has a saying that he always said to his athletes, show me a leader and I'll show you someone who's overcome adversity. Certainly at that time at Notre Dame, I was a, a pretty visible sign of someone who had overcome adversity. So there's always been a, a very mutual respect there. To play a small role in that big moment um, in Notre Dame football history was was really cool for me. Kelly Scott D. Maria joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our Focus on Faith interview at this point, you're still not Catholic, and you would not become Catholic for, for a little while yet. What ultimately led you to becoming Catholic, Haley? So when I graduated from Notre Dame, I went back to Phoenix and went back to Xavier College Prep and was teaching and coaching there. And um, and so went from really one community of faith to another. And and when we were there, unfortunately, we um, I was the, the moderator for our senior student council. So the student council officers was a a class of eight um, seniors that I that I met with every day. And at the end of their senior year, one of our officers um, was, was hit and killed by a drunk driver on prom mm. night. And um, and what I watched in um, the, the aftermath of that was, was this campus in mourning and a community of faith coming together to take care of um, these students and a family who was, was hurting in, in the worst way possible. And it, it, Xavier's campus was what I imagined Notre Dame must have been like after our accident. Um, and certainly I wasn't there. I was in the hospital at the time. So I didn't experience campus after our bus accident. But, but after this accident at Xavier, um, it, it really spoke to me that this wasn't just a Notre Dame thing. And it, it wasn't even really just a, even a Catholic thing or a Xavier thing. It was a community of faith that gets you, helps you through a, a really the hardest parts of your life. Um, and, and it was really through that, a culmination of all of my experiences, but seeing it from a different viewpoint uh, made me realize that I never wanted to be without that in my life. I don't know how you go through something that we did without um, a, a very strong faith and without a community of faith and without multiple communities of faith um, to help you through it. I've, I've always said it wasn't my faith that got me through it, but the faith of everyone around me. And so I knew I, I had to be a part of it. Um, and so, and for me, it was the Catholic church, you know, I had been at Xavier and then went to Notre Dame and then came back to Xavier. And, and, and that part of the, the faith has always been so powerful and, and meaningful to me is, is that sense of community and the power of prayer. So I, at that point, um, made the decision to join the Catholic Church, and and it and it still continues to be a very real way that we live our life now is to um, to make sure that those communities are there when we need them um, because we will all go through tough times. I, I certainly had a, a pretty rough patch in college, but you know that's that's I'm not immune to it anymore. Um, you know, tragedy is a part of life that will affect all of us, and. I think those communities that we are a part of don't just show up. Um, they really need to be nurtured. And so um, it's a, our responsibility to give to them when we don't need them so that they're there for us when we do. Um, and the, the Catholic community of faith does that so well. 
Haley, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us. You're very welcome. It's my privilege. Haley Scott Maria, former Notre Dame swimmer, uh, just truly an inspirational story that obviously, Kevin, you you kind of lived through in terms of uh, the personal side with with um, Megan Beeler uh, of Granger and St. Joe High passing away in that accident. But uh, Haley certainly has honored her yeah. her legacy and the one of uh, Colleen Hip very, very well over these last three decades or so. Well, and it's, I guess, just remarkable to me because I didn't know so much of the story after, you know, I was just a senior in high school and a freshman in college, so I was caught up in my own things, but an incredible, uh, incredibly inspiring story, and, and I think it's neat, you know, again, the big takeaway that the the faith um, community can help you get through everything uh, and tragedies, and that we're all going to go through them. It's, uh, I don't know, just really inspiring. It definitely is. Uh, All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to look at the college football playoff rankings and where Notre Dame shakes out, obviously, right now, feeling pretty good. What happens if the Irish lose? Where are things looking? We'll be back with more on that on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Are you feeling sandwiched between caring for aging parents while still raising children? If so, join me, Chris Godfrey, every Monday afternoon at 1230 for my new show, The Sandwich Generation. Every week I'll have conversations with experts and friends on this important calling. Being sandwiched is a great opportunity for growing on our friendship with God. So tune in for good advice and inspiration every Monday afternoon at 1230 or listen anytime at RedeemerRadio.com sandwich. All right, welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey back with you. Usually this is our uh, sprint, our game day sprint, <laughs> re- preview the g- upcoming game, but we're actually going big picture this week with Notre Dame winning last night and looking at those college football playoff rankings. Alabama's number one at 7-0. and Nick Saban out with COVID today. They host Auburn in the Iron Bowl at 3-30. Wow. I think that's huge because Nick Saban has such a presence with him not being there. There's not like a little backup mini Nick Saban. No, no, it'll be Steve Sarkeesian, the former USC <laughs> coach, who will be call- call- running things today. It'll be interesting. What if Auburn wins? Yeah. Does that? How does that play into more effect? likely to happen now with saving out? Well, and then does that help with the SEC potentially getting two teams into the playoff? Yeah. Uh, the juggling act, if that were to happen. Notre Dame solidly at number two at nine and zero. Clemson is third at seven and one. They host Pitt today at three thirty. Remember, uh, their game versus. Florida State was postponed last week. Ohio State is fourth at 4-0. Game at Illinois was canceled uh, for today. Ryan Day has COVID. Others do as well. We'll see what happens with them. That is the big question mark right now because if they don't play next week, they would be ineligible for the Big Ten Championship game. Texas A&M is fifth at 5-1. They haven't played since November 7th. Florida is 6-1. They host Kentucky at noon today. Cincinnati 8-0. Their game today was canceled. Uh, against Temple. Northwestern 5 and 0 is ranked 8th. They're at Michigan State at 3:30 and then Georgia is 9th at 5 and 2. Miami is 10th at 7 and 1. BYU is undefeated 9 and 0, but they're not playing this week and they were not ranked very hard high. Okay. Notre Dame loses to Clemson. Do you think they should still be in the playoff? I do. I just don't know if the committee would feel the same way. I mean, I think that they've they've they're having a great year. I, I think unless they got unless they lose like sixty to nothing, you know I think they'd yeah. be in at this point with the way things are shaking out. Again, Alabama loses in the 
uh, SEC championship game, then that could be a factor. Ohio State somehow does make the playoff. That could be a factor. These are all the little things that could play in that we don't know all the scenarios. But if Clemson and Notre Dame, you get to punish Notre Dame for playing a 12th game this season. And some people only played five or four. <laughs> right, yeah, I don't I mean. know. I mean, it's such a weird year with all the – look at that list. Postponed, postponed, canceled, like – who knows? <laughs> well, and that's what I mean. Notre Dame had a game postponed early, but yeah. they're going to make that game up. They're mm-hmm. going to end up playing it. So they're going to play their full slate. So, ah, man, unless unless they absolutely got torched by Clemson in the AC championship game, I just don't see how they wouldn't be in. But only time will tell, really. Yeah. It, it thought We thought we had this all shaked out, but uh, with, the, with the stuff with Clemson or with Ohio State, you just really never know. I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. So we teased that all, all, all show that we're going to talk about it, but uh, there wasn't much to talk about because it's still a we'll see over the next two yeah. weeks. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where Eubank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Ilya Glassman. For Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo. We'll be back with you next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Redeemer Radio for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays ahead of Notre Dame versus Syracuse on Senior Day. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Looking for a fresh way to start your day? Need a little pick-me-up for your faith in the morning? We've got you covered with The Daily Refill. Join me, Andrea Serrani, weekday mornings from 7 to 8 for the best Catholic podcast, stories of faith from around the world and right here in our own community, plus some fun and games to help us start our days with faith and joy. Tune in weekdays at 7 for The Daily Refill on Redeemer Radio and in the Redeemer Radio app.